the top was sumptuous, and Sanchez's skills were sublime. Oh, Rodman! Rodman! The number two pick scores for the Spirit! And the Hey Spirits, this is Annie Elliott here once again to talk to you about the Washington Spirit. I have with me Andre Carlisle. How are you, Andre? I'm good. I'm doing good. Um, Back from New Zealand. (laughs) Some of me is back from New Zealand, I'll put it that way. Okay. (laughs) I just, just, my body clock is still strange. It's, I guess it's left New Zealand, but it's making its way to the East Coast. Got it. We needed that explanation. Thought you might have lost a foot to frostbite or something. No, that would have been really <laughs> unfortunate. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about Sunday night's game against Portland Thorns, um, but keeping it short so we can get to a special guest. Super special. So special we're not even going to say it right now, even though you've seen it in the podcast description. <laughs> yeah, it's a mystery if you didn't read the title of the episode. But um, uh, Sunday night, Portland Thorns, it was back at uh, Audi Field. Um, Not directly on point, but a great crowd. I thought it was such a good atmosphere. Um, And it was a not a record all time, but it was the the highest attended game since um, the the bump after the last World Cup. So that was pretty cool. Good to see. Yeah, that was awesome. And toward the end of the game... It really sounded like it. So like, yeah, y'all got to keep coming to games because that was fun. Yeah, the people screaming VAR and just every <laughs> time anything happened, it was it was really a fun time. Um, but so the game was, it was a one-to-one draw. Um, and I guess we want to just start at the beginning and talk our way through. Yeah, let's do so it. So let's start with the first half, which was, um, I thought a better half for the spirit than the thorns. Um, they had, I, I want to say, seven shots to Portland's two or three, um, really controlling the ball. And I mean, I thought overall the whole game they looked better, particularly than they did last the previous week against Houston. They just, I mean, I know they had more possession than Portland did. They had, shockingly, a higher passing completion percentage. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of it is having the World Cup players back and just being more of a, a unit. I think a little bit of it is the Andy Sullivan effect. I think they're just a little bit more coordinated and uh, yeah, like more of a unit when she's there. Yeah. This is very much like a Andy Sullivan does these things. And this is another reason why I just got so mad at everybody talking the nonsense they talked about when they just watched the national team and don't really understand what Andy Sullivan does is great at, but yeah, she was so good in this game. Um, very, very good in this game. And I was happy. And a formation change. We saw a 4 3 3, which I think after halftime, and, and I asked Parsons about it after the game. He said they did. He, at first, I asked him, Did you switch to a 4 2 3 1? He said, No. And he was like, Well, we wanted players like in this position and a shadow of these players. So, yeah, it kind of turned out like that. So, he kind of like let me know that, yeah, yeah, my eyes weren't deceiving me, but there were reasons why they didn't specifically say formation change, but it did alter things. Um, But either way, I thought it was great. I think that Portland, their system had been to dominate the ball. We did not let that happen. Uh, We dominated the ball. When I say we, 
I was not on the pitch. So the Washington spirit <laughs> dominated the ball. I do that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to stop doing that because I do it for like every team I talk about. I'm like, you know, okay, it's fine. Um, but yeah, and I, I think there was just like one, that one moment, which we'll get to, but like overall, and Parsons kind of said this after the game too, like he thinks they really kind of dominated in possession uh, and dominated them and limited their chances. And I got to agree. I mean, it was, it was a very impressive performance from the spirit. I know they were really excited and targeting this game because it was an important one, but like they did, they, they executed something we hadn't seen them execute all season. And for this to be the first time they do it with new players involved as well. Ulamata Sar was a starter uh, in this game. Yeah, I'm very excited about what the what the rest of this season will look like, and I'm already calling it playoffs. I agree, and I mean at this point, despite where we were at the beginning of the season, if they don't make playoffs, it's going to be a disappointment because they've been don't in the top six in all season. <laughs> you have to make it now. I know, but you're putting <laughs> bad vibes out there. <laughs> I'm putting good vibes out. This okay. is this is the expectation is excellence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, no, but I was going to say, you know, I, they've been a low scoring team all season and that was a problem in this game that they weren't finishing their chances, but like the, the pressure they were able to put on high up the pitch, you know, all, all the way against, um, Portland, they, they were forcing so many turnovers, just really not giving them many opportunities at all. And I, I agree that was kind of the, the plan all season really coming into effect. And I don't. I don't think it was a formation problem before because I think the four four two was working for them, but it is very interesting to see this new four three three. So I'm gonna sound like a nerd here in a second, which you know it's not an unfamiliar thing here at this podcast. But uh, a four four two diamond is one of my favorite formations, but it's one of my favorite formations to play like in FIFA, <laughs> right? Like in the, in the video game. In real life, if you just look at it and how it how it sets up it leaves kind of a hole in midfield and you don't really have midfield resistance centrally until you get to the defensive midfielder at the base. And that, you know, depending on the width, of course, of the other two midfielders, sometimes that can change, but it's not a formation that gives you those like embedded options out wide. You know, it's up to the midfielders to kind of figure things out. Uh, from there and but they're basically meant to be midfielders so they stay a little a little deeper but they're also kind of wide so then you you miss that opportunity to be able to push the ball forward into wide areas because nobody else is up there unless one of the strikers moves out wide um, and then that's not really four four two whatever um, so yeah I, I there were some natural you know issues I think defensively it really helped to have that width of the pitch covered but it didn't help in terms of attack. So you can already see the 4-3-3 that they were in, that helped in terms of being able to keep the ball. The midfielders were a bit closer to one another. And each one of them had a forward target, whether it was Saar, whether it was Rodman, whether it was Hatch. Everybody had a forward target. And I think that just really helped create chances, but also helped create um, keep the ball. So I love the way it looked. I think it surprised Portland, but I think they eventually like settled into it. And then the game kind of became a a bit of a stalemate, but I still think that Portland is a very good team, very well drilled on their principles and the things that they want to do. And they've been, I mean, the goals scored already this season have been outrageous. And as Annie said, we pretty much prevented them from having too many sniffs at goal. In fact, I think they 
basically had one. And I think four shots on target. Yeah. And we also had, Spirit also had four, but a lot uh, more more shots overall. Um, I feel like we're going to be bouncing around a lot because there's a lot to talk about. Um, so first let's talk about, I've got my list in my head. Um, the big factor that I think everyone was nervous about coming into this game was Sophia Smith. Um, and I think she was more effectively dealt with by the spirit until she unfortunately was injured in the, in the end of the second or the first half and, um, left the field on crushes. I very much hope that she is okay. That it's, it's just a short term thing. Cause it, it was very sad to see her leave like that. I, I did not like it one bit. Yeah. Sophia Smith is one of my favorite players, and even though watching her her last game where she really exploded against the Spirit did hurt from a Spirit perspective, it's also just great to marvel at, like, a very good player just going bonkers in a sport. Like, you know, people are now kind of seeing, like, things that, not to bring Broso into it, but things that, like, Lionel Messi does, and it's just like, how is he doing this stuff? She, to me, she gives me the same sort of vibe. Like, how is she just taking on the entire defense by herself? Um but before the injury, yes, you're correct. Like the spirit did a very good job. And of course, you know, you're, you're, you're going to try your hardest not to get burned by the same player again. Uh, so they, but there was a lot of attention to her. And I think they also surprised her by when they pressed against her, which is I, I think they didn't they denied the ball to her a lot of times. And then other times they did a very good job of reading and collapsing on her to make sure she couldn't turn right or left, which was the problem, because as soon as she turned. She was just running directly at the back line. So they just did a very good job of not letting her turn. Um, I think Sam Staub was more integral in that as well. Um, she was quite good, but also Tara. Tara had rebounded. I think it could have been, a, uh, you know, could have been nerves facing Sophia Smith again. But she rebounded, had a very, very good game too. I'm looking at her stats on FOTMOB here. She won 100% of her tackles, so two for two. Um, there was one tackle where she was the last offender and got it right. Um, she had one block, one clearance, four interceptions, five ball recoveries, and was only dribbled past once. And against Portland, that's pretty damn good. Um, won three of five ground duels as well. So like, yeah, she had a very good game back there. So I'm, I'm glad that she was able to rebound after that one and, and the spirit needed it. Cause you know, this, this you face a team like this Portland team, they get a goal early. Things can get ugly as we saw. Yeah. And I know, um, I mean, I, I know. I think we've talked about it before. Talk. You just kind of did that. Often the goal is to keep the ball away from a player like Sophia Smith, um, and and I thought they did a good job of that. And that was one area where you could really see the the value that Andy Sullivan adds because she was just very good in, in this game about making sure that she was constantly preventing a, a path from opening up between the ball and Sophia Smith. Um, and you know, I, I thought did did a really good job of that. Yeah, Andy's one of my favorite players to watch just because she's so good. She's just so good at stuff and and being being that like the cerebral part of the game, as we kind of always talk about that with her, is that she she thinks very well like during the game, processes it. And yeah, a lot of that was just making sure that Sophia Smith did not get the ball. And it was her positioning, it was the the angles that she was able to force players into and cut off. So like, yeah, she also had a very good game when things did need and she did have to lean on her defensive capabilities. She had a great game as well. Uh, three of five tackles, one. She had two interceptions. She had six ball recoveries. Only dribbled pass twice, which again, in midfield against that team, that's quite good. 
uh, and won five of nine ground duels. Um, so like, yeah, she was pretty immense uh, in midfield against a very, very difficult midfield to play against. And I think great pivot point. Thank you very much. Uh, the midfield did help Portland get their one goal. <laughs> um, do, you, do you want to talk about it? I mean, if you want to give the, the summary of the goal. <laughs> It was just great play by Sam Coffey. That's the thing. Like I'm, I'm a massive Sam Coffey fan, as people know. Uh, if you don't know, now you do know. I'm sorry that this has to be the case, but I, I felt, I felt like conflicted, of course, because I didn't. I felt like the spirit did not deserve to be down in that game. Like maybe if and this is kind of goes back to your point about getting the goals, right? Like if they would have gotten what they deserved from their dominance, then that's at best an equalizer, right? At best. It could have also just been like 2-1. Okay, fine. But that's not what happened. They ended up going up and that really felt a bit deflating. And, you know, even after the match, you know, Parsons said that, you know, after the game, you know, they had that five minutes where Portland was on top and then they had a hydration break and he was telling them like, don't play at the scoreboard. Like you were dominating them. Don't look at it. Don't like, don't like, keep your level up. Like we're, we are fine. And I just think that that's how much goals change games. You know, you, you hear that cliche all the time, but that's, this is a legit way that it actually like manifested that this happens. But yeah, I mean, it was great pass by Sam Coffey. She's just excellent at these. She leads the league in assists, which is from the defensive midfield position. That's not supposed to happen. Uh, but you see when she, it's the weight of her pass. I mean, it's splitting the defense and it's the weight of the pass right into Morgan Weaver, who had a very good finish. Even Aubrey Kingsbury afterwards was like, yeah, it was a good finish. <laughs> I was like, okay, if you, if you make Ob say that, then I guess, I guess um, you get some credit on that one. But, you know, it's just a, a great moment between two players and it sucked. It was nice to watch. It was aesthetically, it was nice to watch, uh, you know, objectively speaking, but it did suck because it felt like it felt a bit harsh against the spirit who didn't really deserve to have that, um, to, didn't deserve to be down in the game, but this is why soccer is a complicated game. Yeah. You don't always get what you deserve. It was I, it was all, I agree, very good, well-played by Portland. I thought maybe Kingsbury might have mistimed her decision to come out a little bit um, that let Weaver kind of chip the ball over her, but that was going to be hard to save. It was really pretty open. I, I just I think it would have been hard no matter what she did. I think first, before we get to the PK, let's talk about the spirit and finishing. And also the reason for the formation change. This is all a big connected topic, I swear. I want to talk about Ule Sar, which I know you do as well. Because um, Mark Parsons said straight up that the reason they are changing to a 4-3-3 is because he wants her on the on the pit, pitch with um, Hatch and Rodman. And I, I mean, I think a little bit of the issue this game, a lot of their shots, they had a lot, but a lot of them were maybe a little soft, not the best positioning and I think that's maybe that they're still working into communication with, you know, players coming back and her being a, a brand new player. But I really was so impressed both in this game and the last week at Houston with how well she was connecting with her teammates already. I mean, she played with uh, Sanchez for a few days in practice and they were able to hook up for that assistant goal against Houston and I mean, there were a lot of similar passes this this game that she was really just able to find her teammates who she met like two weeks ago. So I think that really just speaks to her her talent. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops. 
Yeah, SAR is exciting. This is a, a an extremely exciting addition to the team, and you can already see how it's altered the attack. Um, I think Mark Parsons told a story, which, you know, sometimes coaches telling stories is like, did it really happen like that? But, you know, I, it's, it's fine. I trust him. Um, but, yeah, he said that uh, when Sanchez came back, you know, she wasn't, like, fully integrated or in, like, into the game, you know, coming back, you know, trying to shake off the jet lag and everything. Um, so she was watching practice with Sar, and she was like, oh, I let, like I got to get on the pitch with her. Like, she's like, this is going to be fun. And I could see Sanchez getting excited about that. And it's just Sar's ability to, like, she doesn't need to be on the ball to cause problems. And so she knows where to be positionally. And she's very good at reading play, where defenders are going to be, where her attacking players are running to. You could see there are a few times where they were just like a step away. Like maybe a pass had a little bit too much weight on it or wasn't angled quite right for the run to be able to connect to it. But those are like little things. The idea that they're already like passing to like space instead of directly a feet is a very good sign. Uh, so they just have to work on those connections and those angles and get that right. But yeah, you could already see for me, like the way that she's combining with the attack takes it to another level. And so I'm very, very excited to see. And I was actually surprised to hear that, you know, Parsons was like, yeah, we're changing our whole formation because of her. But then you watch how they play and you're like, yep, that's the right call. Um, so, yeah, the one criticism I have is that Rodman still plays too wide for me sometimes. I want her to come inside because she's way more dangerous. Her crossing from deep areas, it's a low percentage cross, and it's very hard to get shots unless she cuts in. And then she's on her left foot, which she has to angle it all the way across to the far post, which is hard to do on your on your non-dominant foot. I just want to, I want her more like just scoot, tuck in a bit. Give, give yourself like five, seven yards inside, and then you can go inside or outside, and that'll help the angles a little bit better. But we'll, we'll see. That's kind of been a con consistent thing with Rodman. Um, she's very much old school winger, you know, chalk on the boots kind of thing. But I want to come inside. It's fine. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the best chances they had was when she was inside and and got a pass yeah. in the box and really made uh, Bella Bixby dive to save it. Um, so I think I think you may have a point. <laughs> well, she's also good in the air too. She's like she's tall, and you know, people don't really like you don't get that because you don't see her win too many headers. But I mean, they did that a lot with the national team, you know, trying to get the ball to her to her forehead because she is, I'm mean, what, she's five nine, five ten. Like she's actually quite tall for as as good as she plays, uh, for how she plays in terms of her quickness and that really sick nutmeg that she had. Like that's just that that that's just filthy. <laughs> that was yeah, that was that should have counted for a goal. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like there are quite a few spirit players trying to do fancy footwork, nutmegs, spins what have you last night. And I really enjoyed it. A lot of fun. But so let's talk, I guess, about the equalizer, PK. Um, I think after that goal, like you said, it, it really did deflate the team. I mean, I think for a little while they let Portland dominate them after that. Um, I guess then they got the, the talking to from Parsons and then uh, towards the end of the match started to, to look good on offense again. And I think we're, had a pretty good chance that it was kicked by a Portland player and then hit her arm. So it seems like it, she kicked it herself. Yeah. So, and then it hit her own arm. Right. Which technically, Is that I'm not sorry, a it's not supposed to be. Oh no. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, according to the even if the, the way, arm changes the direction. Yeah, according to the way the rules are written, if you like ball, if you basically if you kick the ball into like you hit the ball with like a, a legal part of your body, and it hits your it pops up and hits your hand or whatever, that's not supposed to be a penalty. Um, Interesting. I don't know. So, like I'm not a referee. But that is, I, I kind of saw uh, some chatter online and from some people that I trust that, that do refereeing things. There is like a, a specific rule about that that says it's not supposed to be a penalty. But Portland didn't complain too much. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, the crowd complained though. Not going to say that wasn't a factor, but it could be. <laughs> Referees are human. And they were. this gives everybody else more incentive to go to the damn games. Because listen, sometimes your voice can be important. And I'll, I'll be the, you know, the homer and I'll say, you know what? I don't care what the rules are. It's gone against the spirit often enough. I remember an Ashley Hatch goal <laughs> that Mark Parsons was very, I'm sorry, an Ashley Hatch created PK mm. that uh, Parsons was very mad about because he thought it was uh just where her arms naturally were. So I don't know. Anyway, no, it, it was a PK. We got it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it happened. So there's no taking it back. It. But yeah, I, I, it's honestly not to get into the refereeing thing because it's all annoying and nobody wants to listen to that. But it's just like the inconsistency is all about the way rules are written in, in the rule book. And so, and they change just about every season or sometime within a season. And it's just, it's a lot to keep up with. So it's annoying technically not supposed to be but it was cool spirit got at least a point which i think was the the i think was like the least the lowest thing that they i don't know how to say words i was trying to say it's like the the least that they deserve from the game i agree that felt weird in my brain but now that i said it out loud it sounds like that's that's actually good i think that's right i think they deserved a win i think they should have gotten a win i mean you know it's not their fault well, no, it is their fault. They didn't win, right? Like, they, they didn't score a goal. Um, but, you know, I, I think they certainly didn't deserve to lose. Um, so I I'd also want to, of course, shout out Ashley Hatch. I believe this was her, I looked it up yesterday, her eighth straight PK converted for the Spirit. So she's shot over the last two years eight penalty kicks for them and has not missed one of them, which I think is very impressive. She's been so calm and consistent doing those. Um, and I, I like to see it. I was very nervous for some reason when it happened. Cause I think it was so late in the game and they, they deserved a tie or a win. So I was like, okay, make it happen. But I was glad to see it. Yeah. And the pressure of that moment too. I mean, the, the crowd was like, like I said, the crowd was unreal. It was unbelievably loud in there. I, so I was next to, a, to, you know, in the press box and there are a couple of people like putting their fingers in their ears, which had like, that's kind of a rare sight. So like, if you're making the press box, like just boom. Yes. That's the, that's what I want. So, so there are some people that maybe didn't want that, but I don't care what they want. So like, yeah, I, I want to see more of that energy and, I think it was just, it was so dramatic because it was, you know, the, it happened. You had it right in front of the supporter section too. So they were like going bonkers and then the VAR chants happened and then the spirit aren't taking the corner. So you're, then you're like, okay, what's going on? You don't really see him put his hand to his ear. And then all of a sudden he does the VAR sign. Everybody's cheering. And then he stares at the monitor for like two or three minutes and hatches there the whole time, just waiting. And that, like, honestly, nerves of steel. Sometimes that kind of weight 
it can be brutal, but she handled it well and remained calm. And it was a great penalty. Sent Bixby the wrong way and just needed to hit the target and did. Yeah, the the long the length of the time she was waiting, I was wondering if they were doing a fake out because sometimes they'll have someone yeah. else kind of hold the ball and then yeah switch at the last minute. And I, I think about doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering who else would take it if it wasn't her. I was like, are we going to bring Kingsbury up? She's kind of hanging out in the wings, swinging her arms around. I saw, I was laughing at her. <laughs> she was just like, all right, get me involved. <laughs> you know, it was also a very fun moment is after the PK was scored, Kingsbury went over to all the players who were just like doing their warmups and she gave like a fist bump to every single She just went down the line and gave a fist bump to every single one because she was all on the other end of the pitch, but needed to celebrate <laughs> with somebody. So that was great. I didn't see that. That's awesome though. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about? Um, no, just that I, we've got, we've got a good bit of a homestand. We have the Red Stars up next. So Red Stars are already eliminated from playoff contention. So this is going to be the spirit really need three points from as many games as possible. Uh, Angel City beating OL Reign in kind of a shock fashion really helped the spirits like keep a little bit of a buffer. I believe there's two points above Reign who are in Mm -hmm. this, that last playoff spot. So like these games are super important right now. So like as, as loud as people were and as many people showed up, keep doing that, keep breaking records, keep showing up because uh, the team's going to need it. And uh, each one of these games is going to be super tense and very interesting. But the Spirit, I think, are heading in a very fun direction and improving both with personnel and in the, their style of play at a very important time. I agree because, I mean, they're in the fifth place right now, but three points behind Portland, who's number one, so, I mean, definitely need to get some wins in because it's it's really tight, but also they are very much still in contention for home games during the playoffs. So I think um, would like to see them get that and do well. Yeah, the, 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 this last run of games is going to be very, very interesting and should be some fun, but three points required. Like I said, excellence is expected. <laughs> <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> Um, but I think now we should get to our interview. I'm super excited about this one because we heard a lot about in other interviews about Maddie Elwell. She came up unprompted a few times in some of the questions that we asked. So, you know, we had to bring her on the podcast and ask some, some of these questions. We needed to get to the bottom of some things, you know, locker room vibe setter, you know, DJ. She also told a great story about uh, Battelle, brand new player. Like, yeah, you're definitely going to want to stay around for that. And uh, Maddie, just an overall, like, very fun personality as well. So that was a very fun interview. We have the great Maddie Elwell joining us on the podcast today. Maddie, how are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. I'm excited. We're excited, excited to have too. you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. In unison, kind of. Uh, we're excited to have you on the podcast. We won't lie, your name has come up a couple times in other player interviews we've done. Maddie's shaking her head. Yeah, I can only imagine. I haven't heard of it, which means it can't be great, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's good stuff, and we're going to get into it. Uh, but let's kind of start off with, I'm, I'm a little fascinated by kind of your high school, college career, and moving into um, professional. So I wanted to eventually talk about your transition to left back, but want to give you a moment to kind of like reflect on your, I guess, high school and college days. I cannot say the name of your high school because I'll probably butcher it, 
Like, can, can you say it for us? That's fair. It's a uh, Wissahickon. It's not the most enticing name, I guess, you've ever heard. But you know what? I'm loyal. <laughs> loyal till I die. I'm good. And we see that I, I see in, in some research, you, I believe you still hold the record for most goals in a season. Oh, wow. That's fun. I, I need like an <laughs> award or something for that because this is the first time hearing it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You got to you got to contact them. You got to let them know. Like, the, I believe it's 27 goals in a season. Did you even did you know the number? Um, no, but honest that you might need to double check the typo on that or something, because that doesn't sound exactly feasible. But no, that's actually kind of that's kind of fun to know. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. I mean, hey, I'm I'm looking at a tweet from Vanderbilt Soccer, so that's where my information comes from. If it's wrong, I'm going to blame Vanderbilt. Well, if it's online, it's true. I think that's what they say, so... That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, let's and also want to talk about Vanderbilt days. You were a winger slash midfielder, but I think mostly played on that left wing. Mm-hmm. Um, a ton of assists. A ton of assists. What was that like, I guess, in terms of your your skill set, um, your college experience overall, just how, how was that at like Vanderbilt? It was, it was fun. And the transition, obviously, in my first couple of years was hard to kind of get the hang of. But once you do, it's like, why have I not been doing this the whole time? Um, my coaches were really, really helpful in terms of just drilling some core values on the field and what you need to do in order to be successful for that team and that system. Um, and once they got the hang of it, it was really fun. And I don't know if this is unpopular or popular, but sometimes I think just assisting goals is like way more fun. I say this because I assisted and didn't score as many, but um, just to be a part of it and you know help facilitate something for your team getting a result is kind of a different type of pride and, you know, just knowing that you can contribute in that way and kind of help facilitate the way the game goes was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, kind of honing in on that, the speed of play here is obviously much higher, um, hard to get accustomed to. So I think having those, you know, core values drilled in has helped ways here just to accentuate on my skill set and how to best play a role here at Spirit. So. Yeah, and you mentioned the assist part because I wanted to talk to you about that as well because we we hear a lot that, you know, even defenders will talk to like they want to score a goal. You know, do you want to put in like the game-saving tackle or want to score a goal? They'll kind of kind of waffle a little bit, but everybody wants the limelight of scoring a goal. Yeah. I'm looking here at your stats uh, from Vanderbilt. You had one season where you had one goal but 10 assists, and then I think your last um, your last year at Vanderbilt, four goals but nine assists. That's a ton of assisting. So what is it just like? Is it like rapport that you build with the attackers or just like reading a defense, finding space, all of that? Like what goes into the mindset yeah. of being such a, um unselfish player? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is the attacking players or people that I was commonly playing with, they were my year or older. So it was kind of fun to build that relationship and see how that translates on the field over time. Um, Haley Hopkins, she transferred my fifth year, but she was at Vanderbilt with me and uh, she was like one of the most fun players to play with. She's a a goal scorer herself. So just being able to contribute to that with her was like really fun, Um, was so sad when she left, but that was just the type of relationship that really brought out the best in both of us over the four years that we played together. Um, 
so yeah, I definitely do think there's a certain type of chemistry that you can build over time and you just know where they're going to be before they even move. Um, and that was fun and vice versa. They know where I'm going to try and put the ball if I'm on the left side. So Sweet. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I was, you know, looking at some highlights and I was like, yeah, that whole that whole left flank, you kind of had that one like shut down in most games. So that was great. Um, I tried. Oh. <laughs> Also want to talk about uh, moving on to the pros, you know, um, I've signed with the spirit. I believe this year has been your first transition into a left back position. Um, now, of course, with the way left backs kind of play these days, you can get high and still kind of put in those crosses. But what has the overall transition been like to move kind of back in terms of, if not like specific position on the pitch, just starting position? Yeah, I think I got a little bit trigger happy um, multiple times where my coaches were like, dude, you can't just jump at every single ball that comes your way because there's no defender behind you. Where before I was like, okay, I can take a couple risks. I got my left back behind me. Now that is me. So I'm like, oh God, like I need to calm down a little bit. Um, Just making sure that I'm not leaving a dangerous space behind me if I do decide to jump, but that was probably the biggest transition. And I don't even think I realized I was doing that until I had film. And they're like, we've noticed um, you do this often. And I'm like, oh gosh, you're right. Like I'm, I was like, I could have sworn I remembered it differently, <laughs> but the camera doesn't lie, that's fine. Um, but I think that was the biggest um, transition for me as well as just focusing on my 1v1 defending. Um, just I get scared when we're in, we're defending in our defensive third, and I'm I'm like, okay, you get beat, you're gonna make it hard for a lot of your your defenders might not be happy with you. So, um, I think that was my biggest worry and where I'm focusing most um, in terms of transition. And you mentioned the one v one defending. Um, I, I yes, that uh, does sound quite intense. You know, if you you're the last line of defense, and if they get by you, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but, exactly. But I also think that, like, it seems like you play with a type of, like, I don't know if it's chip on your shoulder. That's kind of an overused phrase or whatever. But just, like, it seems like you've got an intensity on the pitch. Does that kind of intensity help in the defensive aspect at all? Yeah, I I definitely think it does. And I think that that energy can be tangible, whether it's coming from me or someone else. You can kind of notice it on the field and it can kind of help with the mojo, for lack of a better word. Um, And I got to credit that to just SEC play in college. I think it was like less pretty, um, but the way we we played was just bringing that grit. So I try. And when I first got here um, last year, we were in training and I was kind of like slide tackling around town and Andy comes up to me. She's like, dude, you can't do that. (laughs) I was like, what? Like I'm trying as hard as I can. And they were like, you can't do that in training. Like, this isn't that. And I'm like, oh. Like, they were not happy with me. I was like, I am so sorry. Like, over here, like, just absolutely decking. And they're like, that's fine in games, but let's let's cool it in the small-sided. I'm like, yeah, you might be right. You might be onto something. So (laughs) They're like, let's not injure one another. Not my (laughs) finest moment. I was like, oh, got it. Like, I'm good. Two feet, all times, got it. Yeah, we'd heard some of your other uh, teammates were a little, well, I'll, I'll call it out. Uh, young Chloe Ricketts was a little aggressive in practice. Sounds like she's not always the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't leave her alone there. Um, definitely, <laughs> definitely, I can attest to that. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, my God. 
not the best first impression, but I think I cleaned it up a little bit, hopefully. But I remember when I first got there, they were like, this is not how we do it. I'm like, same. I don't do it that way either. Never mind. Don't even know what you guys are talking about. That was not me. Well, I think you've been, you know, pretty clean tackling and playing on the, on the field. I mean, you don't, haven't got any cards yet this season, so that's good. No, I haven't. Only one yellow card, and that was like the first 30 seconds of my NWSL debut. So I haven't looked back since then. That's good. Um, so I had some questions about like this year. Um, and the first one was just like, you know, the season is really, we're in the final third now, kind of getting close to the end. Um, and just how are you feeling about how things are going? Uh, especially with the new additions to Spirit, I'm like really excited to have everyone back and kind of just get the whole group together. Um, cause it was a little up and down in terms of injuries and world cup. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I think a lot of teams are, you know, in a spot where it's make or break in this final third. I don't know where the season went. I feel like we kind of just started and now we have seven or six games left if I'm not mistaken, um, excluding the playoffs. But yeah, I'm just excited to have everyone back. I think it's kind of brought some new energy just to be able to be playing again together, especially at Audi, um, because I know we've been away for the past couple. And yeah, I'm I'm feeling excited. I'm hopeful, definitely feeling good, knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to see what what we bring um, in these last few games and kind of put ourselves in a good position because I, I feel like that's a very, very good possibility. Yeah. You mentioned um, playing at Audi and I know that's something we've, we've heard a lot about is, you know, appreciating the fans there. I know you got one season that was split with Segra. How, how are you feeling about how this season's gone and crowds and stuff compared to that? Yeah, I think Segra was more of just because it was obviously smaller and people had to travel a little bit to make it to those games. It was a more intimate um, kind of setting. And I still, even so, think we had a really good turnout. But the transition to Audi, like objectively speaking, best stadium in the NWSL, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think the willingness of fans to come and show out and just be so electric, for lack of a better word, makes that stadium that much better. Um, and playing there as well. It's just, it makes the long drive worth it. But um, yeah, I think Audi is just amazing. Um, and I'm so happy that we get to play there um, for our home games rather than going to Segra, not bashing on it. But I just think Audi is just un- untouchable in that respect. How long is the drive for y'all? It's probably like 50 without traffic, but... Oh, wow. You know, that's... <laughs> not having traffic in DC is not really a thing. Um, But we're closer to the facility here, the training facility. So I'll I'll take it. I I can't complain. Just a little bit of a hike sometimes. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that far. And maybe I'm being dramatic. You can fact check me, but (laughs) just for my sake, please just agree for right now. No, no, I believe (laughs) it. I know uh, it's uh, going even a short distance in this area takes forever. So I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something else I kind of wanted to ask you about, because we haven't really talked to anybody about this since before the season started, was the Challenge Cup. Um, and I know it was a different format this season, and obviously the Spirit are not going forward to the knockout rounds. Um, and just kind of wanted to wonder what your take was on like the way the team approached the Challenge Cup games, where it was more um, an opportunity to get some players rest and get other players minutes. Yeah, I think... Um 
Challenge Cup, the way that we worked, we were going into every game, obviously, to win. Um, So we were putting everyone out there that we thought could help create the best outcome. Um, There was definitely, in terms of, like, just monitoring and making sure that we're not, you know, blowing too much smoke too soon um, with certain players as well. But to be fair, we had a lot of uh, teammates go to the World Cup, so it was almost like we needed everyone to contribute in the way that they see fit. And I think that got people reps where they wanted reps and a little bit of exposure and vice versa, a little bit of rest if they needed it. Um, But, yeah, we we just – we didn't approach it any differently, but it was nice to see some fresh faces on the field and, you know, just develop as a team without these crucial or certain players there. And they're off taking care of other business. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. It, I, was, I enjoyed it a lot. And having it kind of where it was in the season, I think, was a good kind of midpoint. Still incentive, but also just okay to make different decisions where you need to. Got it. Yeah. So I think we've heard rumors that it's, it might be changing again. I have also heard these rumors. (laughs) Like, can you just stick with one decision? I'm getting whiplash. (laughs) Yeah. It's been what, at least three or four different setups so far. Um, and I, and I think what, what I've heard at least is that it might be just like a one game thing between the, um, shield winner and the championship winner. Um, do you think you would miss it? It's so hard because I missed Challenge Cup last year. So this was kind of my first go around with with that, with having the Challenge Cup and being able to experience it. So I can't, I kind of think one game kind of doesn't make me like the most excited, but I'm sure there are reasons behind it. I kind of enjoyed it this year, but I don't know. It was hard because I, I, kind of lost track of what was challenge cup and what was regular season. Cause I felt like we had like 18 challenge cup and I'm like, when, when are we getting back to like, we, the standings are not moving and I'm ready to kind of speed that process up a little bit. So I don't know, I guess I'll see. I don't love what I've been hearing. I've heard that as well. And, but we'll see, maybe I'm sure there's a method to the madness. Yeah. It was definitely hard. I mean, looking back the last several weeks, like when was the last regular season game? Yeah. Cause it's been so many challenge cups. Seriously. Yeah, I'm kind of with you both because I feel like the Challenge Cup holds a specific like purpose and, and kind of meeting. I, I like mid-season cup tournaments. You know, I think they're fun. And I would say, you know, expand the roster size, keep the Challenge Cup. But apparently that's not what Yeah, but they don't say. listen to us, do they? <laughs> they sure don't, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I had a, a stepping away from the Challenge Cup and all that business. Um I'm wondering, so Ambler, Pennsylvania is where you are from. That is just outside of Philly. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So I'm wondering between you and Marissa Shiva, who is more Philly? Well, it was funny because when I was looking over some of the topics for today, I was on the phone (laughs) with her and I'm like reading it out loud. I'm like, who is more Philly, Marissa or Maddie? What does that mean? And she's like, you throw me under the bus, dude. Like this is not going to go well. I was like, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. I I think the two of us together, you can tell a lot. I don't know who is more Philly. I, I won't throw her under. I think we're both a little bit forward with our actions and words, which is fine. Um, but I don't know. I would say it's a, it's a tough call 
because she's she's small, but that she's gritty. Like, don't write her off. Like, don't. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's pretty even. It's nice to have someone here that kind of gets it. So that was the, the the gets it part is what I was going to ask as well. I know you, you kind of said forward and everything. So like, what, what does it really mean? Because I know people from Philly, like I met a few and they're very, very distinctive, but also yeah. I don't know how to define it. I would say like loud and aggressive, but in like, <laughs> but I mean that in like the most loving way. You always know what you're going to get. And yeah, it's hard to explain. That would be the way that I would explain it, but I would be curious to hear what other people on the team like would note it because I'm definitely loud. I told you when I came in sliding around town, so I'm probably on the aggressive side. Um, but also nice and like loving and we like the more loud we are, it's like the more we love you. So it's just kind of how we express ourselves. There you go. It's a it's a passion thing. It it's is. just a passion thing. There it is. Okay. There's okay. No I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> I got it now. Um, speak, speaking of which, being loud, you know, having the vibes, vibe setter, we heard from multiple people that you helped set the vibes in the locker room. That's a big title, being the team vibe setter. What what does that first of all, do you feel like you are? I feel like I don't give people a choice. <laughs> that's how I feel okay. so they Fair have enough. they just have to accept it which I feel bad because sometimes if it's like not your best day and I'm just coming in like guns a blazing um probably I'm probably not their favorite person that day so that's fine I'll take it um yeah I don't think a lot of times before I speak sometimes <laughs> so it's more so in the locker room I like conversation I like chit chat I like to enjoy where I am whether it's work or not um, so yeah, sometimes it's hard when I'm not having a loud day, which doesn't happen often. And people are like, it's just that much more noticeable that you are not kind of as vibrant as you normally are. And like, what's wrong? And I'm like, don't ask me that, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't think I gave people the choice of like nominating me for that role. I think I kind of just, um, definitely just came in and started existing the way that I have been, which... I'm happy they've been they've been accepting thus far, so we shall see. <laughs> I love that. And I also I was wondering as well, when you're mentioning that, like if you don't have a loud, loud day, right? You're feeling more reserved, does it get like do people always ask, like how do you get multiple people asking you what's wrong? So, so, um yeah. Okay? Yeah. But <laughs> I I love them for it, but I'm just like, you know, it's like me saying I'm fine and you know you're not mm -hmm. fine. And yeah. you just have to like note it and walk away. And like, they do a pretty good job of that. But they're still gonna ask and I still might be on the verge of tears, but I won't. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have too many of those days. Um, we, we also heard part-time DJ, I guess. I, I know we, we've had a few, we've asked about who kind of gets the ox cord, who kind of gets the music going in the locker room. And we've heard that like Dorian Bailey was kind of a, a low key, like a surprise yeah, person. DJ Dorr is probably, DJ Dorr is probably the most consistent one. She, she knows how to get, get the people going. And that's a tough, that stresses me out. Like, I don't know if she has a playlist or she just cues stuff. I don't know how she does it, but she does a good job. I, I don't know. It's hard working with people that are such a wide range of ages where I'm like, I play like my 2008, like that period of time, some classic Rihanna get me on there, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll miss 
sometimes I'll miss and they'll be like, dude, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Never mind. Like, just take it away. It's too much pressure. I don't need that. Don't need it. Don't want it. Um, but Dora's really good at it. I, I'll give her that. I try sometimes like pepper, just pepper in some here or there. But we had Anaïk when she first got here. She comes up to me. She's like, put me on, put me on the speaker and starts like playing her her, friend, her French jams. I'm like, wow. I mean, you just came in and assumed like ox. That is a power move if I've ever seen one. And right? you're not even like different language. Like we're not even talking <laughs> like genre over here. So that I looked at her, I was like, you have some, you got, you got something to you over there. So yeah, we have a few contestants. That's very bold. That's a great story. That's just bold. Just busting in the locker room. Like, give me the ox. Yeah, you can, you <laughs> can't see wow. like Google translate. It's just like ox. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I like you. Right. Okay. Energy. I'm here for that. I'm absolutely here for that. Um, <laughs> Okay, have one final kind of like real question to ask before we get into some rapid fire questions uh, that we'll do to kind of wrap up the interview. But, you know, what we drafted in 2022 um, with the spirit. She's looking around. Yes, sorry. Okay. okay. I had to make sure I got <laughs> the year right. Sorry. Okay. You had me concerned for a second. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so even in 2022, you know, changes were underway. They were happening. But now even in, you know, 2023, a lot has happened already, you know, even more happened than I think even us on the outside were even prepared or aware for so soon. So I'm wondering what all of that looked like from the player perspective, you know, you coming in as a rookie and now where you're at, where the team is at, all the changes that have happened and how rapidly was kind of like your perspective on how that time has gone and what you've seen internally. Yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have come last year and just be able to notice the differences of last year and this year. Um, I think the biggest thing is the amount of support that we get is unreal. Um, the onboarding that we've done with staff, I love every single one of them. And I like think they're great fits for this um, program. And that has been the biggest addition or change or transition, I think, is just how much they want to see you succeed as a person, as a player, just in general. And they're like, when people were first coming in and I wasn't familiar with their description or what their role was, I was like, I've never even heard of half of these job descriptions or job roles. But now that they're here, I'm like, you can't ever leave ever. <laughs> like, it's just not a choice. But I think that the player support is unreal on the health side, mental well being side, and just performance overall. Um, and they're all great people. And I think it kind of just creates a chemistry within the, the team, staff included, that makes it a really good environment and helps us bring in, you know, even better people and players and just make it an environment where people really want to be. We got some, like our, Andre said, some quick, quick questions. Oh, God. All right. I'm ready for that. You don't have, you don't have to answer fast, but you said rapid fire. Shorties. There's no room for movement. Right. All right. What's your favorite goal? That you've scored? Oh, that I've scored? Um, I'll just be fun and say, like, my first goal in the NWSL last year, it was at Segra. Um, that was really fun, but I didn't really know how to act because I didn't really know everyone yet. So I kind of just did like this. Like, dude, why are you not celebrating? Like, you're making it awkward. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, that was just really cool. 
I was going to ask you about that goal, if you remembered it and if you remembered who it was against. I want to say it was uh, Courage. Louisville. Okay. I, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember no, the goal, though. That's all that matters. At that uh, point, yes. I was still getting accustomed. Please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's why I wondered if it like if, if Segra held like a little because I know like honestly professional like stadium wise professional athlete wise like yeah best not to play there but there's certain memories did happen there and i was wondering if this is maybe why segra what maybe was a little special because you did get your first professional goal there yeah and, and like i said the intimate environment too like that the fans made it a lot better um and because it was my first home field in the nwsl playing on i guess i'll always hold at least a little bit of of love for segra but Audi came in and sheesh, that stadium yeah. rocks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to put the caveat just in yeah. words that this does not mean we everybody wants to yeah, go yeah, back yeah, to please, please, please. <laughs> let's keep Let's keep it at Audi. Audi's been, been amazing. Um, okay, I got away from the rapid fire format. My bad. Uh, favorite assist? This is high school, college, pros, whatever. Uh, college, I want to say it was against Mizzou. And it was a ball in behind from probably like 40 yards out. Um, and my coaches were just like, if you hit this ball early, like it's good, it's gold. And I did that. And my teammates scored with their chest. I was like, they didn't lie. They did not lie. So um, that's one that I really liked. I don't know. That's hard. That's hard. That's one of the so many. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but okay. <laughs> Don't make me so look back <laughs> <laughs> So, so this was a forty-yard. You just kind of like was in the air, completely in the air, a little loop-de-goo. Um, okay. Never used that term before, but it's starting now. <laughs> yeah, Added it was just fun. It was a night game. Night games are always fun. We won. You know, not much to complain about. So, yeah, that was that was one that I, I was proud of because I don't know if I could ever do it again, but it happened. So. It's up there and it's stuck there. Okay. What is your favorite pregame song? Blase, blase, future. Done. Whole team, every every game before we go out, blase, blase needs to be played. So. Easy enough. Quick. And I, on that note, that sounds like one of them, uh, a match day superstition. Do you have any others? Mm, no. Um, probably just left sock on before right sock left cleat on before right cleat but that's pretty basic that's just that's just proper like attire etiquette let's not go crazy okay um yeah okay so you're wait you're left-footed right and you're also left-handed right-handed oh you're right-handed but left-footed yeah i think how I've, does that happen i my dad was always yelling at me to use my right foot and i think i was just out of spite was like no <laughs> So I accidentally trained myself to go lefty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. Okay. Yeah, no, like absolutely no idea how that happened. But yeah, I'm probably right, dominant right in everything except for my feet. Wow. I even think like, yeah, like riding a scooter or like a surfboard, I think I'm still normal. Like I'm still right foot dominated in that. If that's like, was it goofy, goofy footed when you're yeah. left or something? I forget what it is. But. Yeah. It's like Southpaw, Goofy. That's yeah, all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, that is fascinating because I was going to be like, okay, because I know I'm right-handed and I have to do the left shoe first. Like that's just like a, it just feels right. Yeah, but I, I kind of agree. Left, but it would be different, but I guess not. No, okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'm not going to question it because then I'll just spiral, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We'll move on to the most important question, uh, given our, our third co-host who is not here, Joe. but uh, this is something that she needs to know. So um, Annie. Yeah. She always asks, we're keeping a, a tally of everybody. Um, do you like candy corn? No, I was talking about this the other day. It stinks. <laughs> it's like plastic. It get that does. away from me. <laughs> get the almond joys, get the candy corn, all of that away. I don't know why candy corn. I literally asked us that training the other day. People were saying yes. I was like, mm, mm. what is your favorite then? Like candy? You, yeah, sure. Her sweets. Love sour Skittles. Love, I'm going to go crazy range here. Love sour Skittles, love apple pie, love Milky Ways, love Twix, not Almond Joy, not, what are other ones that stink? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I feel like I'm Anything very... with like coconut in it? No. Is it like coconut is through? Because I think, what is it? Almond Joy or Mounds? Which one of those has coconut in it? Because that's, that's Mounds, I'm not here for that. Yeah, I... Yeah. I'm a fan of coconut, not in candy form, I think, is just my issue. Okay, fair. Do you like um, Three Musketeers? Because I think that one's boring. It's like just the marshmallow fluff. Yeah, I think I used to be so obsessed with it that I needed to take a break. Like, if I'm in a a store, I'm not grabbing the Three Musketeers. That's just bottom line. If there's Three Musketeers in front of me, I'm eating it. So I used to put it in the microwave, let it melt a little bit, and then... That was my, that was my strategy. But also I was young, so it probably didn't taste good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned the candy corn, that conversation popped up. Do you know who the candy corn likers are on the team? Vance likes candy corn. Oh, Angela Salem, we have not talked to her yet. Someone Mm -hmm. else, there's someone else. And I was just like, they were justifying it. If you can justify it, fine. I just don't see it. That's (laughs) just me. Annie, who was the other one? Was it Tori? I was gonna pull it up, but I don't. I don't have the chart quickly. I think we've oh, gotten two okay. yeses before, though. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like a popular opinion that it, it just like stunk. It's. I think it's more like room decor than like meant to be eaten. Right. Yeah. But, like it just signals that it's Halloween, and it's like exactly okay, cool. like you have to put it on the it. coffee table. Like, do it. I'm all here for it. It's very Halloweeny. I'm just not putting my hand in there and grabbing any. Right, like you leave it there on the table, and then when Halloween's over, you pick it up and you dump it in the trash where it belongs. I thought this was like understood, but apparently not. (laughs) All good. Well, you know what? I really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you so much. This has been fun. We'll have to have you on again because this was fun. I'm sure we'll have some more questions to ask. But uh, thank you so much for your time, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you, and thanks so much for having me on. Of Thank course, you. we'll be looking for another 40-yard assist very soon. You said you um, that happened one time. Like, we can do it again. You need it's to all cut good. that out. Do not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Remember to like, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. You can follow us on Twitter at Hey Spirits. And as always, go Spirits.